Have you ever struggled with understanding the Word of God? You're not alone. Let's look at the scriptures together and understand how we can apply biblical principles in our daily lives, right here on the Creekside Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Creekside Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is James Piva House. And I'm Drew Byers. Today we're going to be going through Romans chapter 12, uh, which... Romans we've been going through is packed full of so much and uh, we of course I love Paul as a writer and I love his story I love how he um, he portrays things and so um, anyways I'm excited to get into Romans chapter 12 I'm uh, excited that this is the very first time we've done a take for this particular <laughs> segment I'm really excited that was the very first time we've done that and yeah, that's awesome yeah we've so, definitely not done this multiple times exactly right so <laughs> It's great. It's good. And if you didn't tell us, say I was the co-host this time. And so I feel Did like I I've been demoted now. Like the first, last two episodes, I got to be the co-host and now I'm just... It's I'm because just, we didn't get the plaque. Yeah. We got to get the we'll plaque next that. time. So let's stop talking about this and let's start talking about the Bible. <laughs> um, if you're good with that. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. Just two verses I want to talk about this uh, this time. So Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So my first question, just right out of the gate, is what role does the mercy of God play in the Christian life? Without the mercy of God, there is no Christian life. I agree. So that's that's the first thing there. Um, Paul, like I, I mentioned this in an earlier episode, but Paul in Romans 12 is kind of flipping the switch. In, the, in chapters 1 through 11, he's really been talking about a lot of doctrine, a lot of theology, a lot of theoretical things, and now he's giving some practical application of that of those particular doctrines. So, in verse number 12, he, he, he begins with an appeal. Sorry, verse number 1 of chapter 12, he begins with an appeal. He's asking the brothers, therefore, by God's mercy, consider God's mercy. If you would consider God's mercy and understand how merciful God has been to you, how he has redeemed you, what he has done for you, if you would consider those things, it will help you to do this next thing. So this is, an, this is an appeal to understand the gospel. Like, I think sometimes we try to live the Christian life without understanding Christian doctrine. Mm-hmm. And that's so incredibly hard. It's so incredibly hard when things don't work out, when things go wrong, you know? Um, it, it's so important not just that we know how to live, but also what to think. Like, what we think about God radically influences the way that we live. And, and we, we've got to understand, I think we can sometimes think about obedience in the Christian life is like this, this you know, this thing all Christians are called to, but theology and like thinking good, the right thoughts about God is something for pastors or for certain leaders in the church, but it's not really for everyone. But what I want us to see is that if we don't get our theology, and and not to really, you know, we can talk about really deep things and things that might seem less practical, but what Paul's getting at here is just kind of the basic doctrines, the basic things. To be a Christian, you only have to know a few 
fundamental things, Mm -hmm. but you have to know them with in all of their totality. You have to understand them and be able to explain them and then be able to apply them to your lives. If you don't understand these mercies of God, you will struggle to present your body as a living sacrifice. You will struggle in obedience. And I think that's one thing just to consider. Uh, That's not always the case, right? Uh, People people who are studied and learned in theology and in the Bible certainly can still sin, and sin in egregious ways, right? And sin in really, really uh, awful ways. But I think in most cases, one thing that will help us in our struggle against sin is to behold the glory of Christ by thinking rightly about him, right? So I, we are both bodies and we are minds, right? Those are, those are two things. You know, there is a, there are two, two or two, at least two parts to our being, right? There was not just all physical. We also have an emotional life and we also have a, a mental capacity, all those types of things. And I think sometimes in the Christian life, we can be really concerned about loving God with our bodies, by doing what's right, but we're not quite as concerned with loving God with our minds, yeah. with, with thinking rightly about God. So I think that there's right there in the mercies of God, do you understand the mercy of God? Do you understand how great God's love is for you and how comprehensive this salvation is? That it's it's huge. It changes everything. And in, in changing everything, it changes the way that we live. Yeah, and I think God lined this up so even the simplest of people can understand that. I had an uncle that never even got past third grade. Yeah. Um, And he literally learned how to read because later in life he was saved and he wanted to read the Bible. Right, yeah. The Bible is what taught him how to read. Yeah. You know, and and it was amazing. We would have family get-togethers, and he would want to preach. Yeah. You know, he's like, I just want to share the gospel before we eat. Yeah. do that and let me pray. And that's what he did. Yeah, Um, that's cool. And we ended up, um, we would have have these family get-togethers, and we would meet like an hour before just to let him get up there and and do a you know do a little spill what he's been learning in the Bible. And it was really cool. cool, you know. And he lived for a long time. But yeah, he's not with us it's all. But it, it it's. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, dude. you're good. Go ahead. I, I I just excited to jump on this thought. Um, it, understanding literacy for the common person is a relatively newer invention, mm-hmm. right? So. For several hundred years, like not everyone could just pick up a book and read, yeah. you know, and especially, um, you know, throughout the the Middle Ages, you know, those those years from uh, the early in between the early church and kind of the Renaissance or Reformation, mm-hmm. um, it was not really common that people, you know, books were expensive. If you wanted, if you wanted a book, they had to be copied by hand. You know, there was uh, publishing things was really difficult. This is before the printing press, so books and like reading was not really, um, you know, the a a common thing. It was a really, you know, it was, it was a big deal to be able to read. And that, and understand that's kind of the context that Paul's obviously they have books you know the Bible is a book and God wants us to Correct. like you said to to read you know hopefully when the Bible comes to a culture also the the ability and the capacity to read and understand that but it doesn't mean you have to be a scholar no. to understand the scriptures you know that that's what he that's what he's getting at here he's writing this to regular ordinary everyday Christians thinking that they can understand the message of the book of Romans and when you understand that it helps you to like the next part of the verse is present your body as a living sacrifice. Yeah, and that, and that was my next question. What what does that mean? Presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Can it's, you explain? It that? sounds pretty intense, it does. doesn't it? It, does. uh, it sounds like uh, what Abraham does with Isaac in the book of Genesis, yeah, right? It sounds like this is you know, do I have to do I have to die? Um, the 
the idea here is is uh, underpinned by the sacrificial system. In the Old Testament, there would be a repetition of bringing sacrifices to the priest to atone for your sin. Different types of sacrifices, different ways you would bring them. You'd bring a grain offering or you'd bring a whole burnt offering. You can read Leviticus and see all the details. It was a really detailed process. You can mm-hmm. see that. Uh, what Paul is now saying is that it's not the animals that you need to bring to the Lord. It's not the grain. It's not the drink offering. It is your own body. Mm-hmm. Your body is is the thing that now God desires for you to give, to glorify God in your body by the way that you live. Uh, it's present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is really cool. Check out what this, what this does here. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, Holy and acceptable to God. All right, so the offerings that the people would bring in the Old Testament, they would make you holy, um, make you devoted, consecrated before God. They would atone for your sin and give you this ceremonial purity, right, where you could be, you could trust that you were good with God. Now what does it say? Your When you come and bring your bodies, you are to bring them holy and acceptable to God, that God makes your bodies a acceptable offering to him because of what Christ has done, right? Um, that when you come to God, it pleases God when you obey him in your body. And notice the last part, which is your spiritual worship. Mm. Check that out. So he's saying, what you do with your body says something about your spirit, says yeah. something about your spiritual worship, says something about your devotion to God. And worship, um, you know, whenever we think about worship, we often think about singing, um, and that's a that's a modern cultural thing. Worship is ascribing worth or ascribing weight to something to say that this thing is important and is a bigger deal than, than I am. And so bringing sacrifices in the Old Testament was a way to say, this is a big deal. My God is a big deal. I want to honor him. I want to serve him. Now, what is he saying? If you want to if you want to make a big deal about God, you should make sure that you present your body to him, that God is glorified by the way that you use your body, by the way that you work with your hands, by the way that you treat your neighbor, by the way that you abstain from things that would be corrupting to your flesh. Doing those things is an acceptable sacrifice to God, and it is worship before the Lord. We worship by the way that we live. It's not just about an activity that we do once a week on a Sunday morning or anything like that. And remember, how do we get to this place? It's by all of this stuff the first 11 chapters have told us, right? We've got to understand those things, and then we can understand, aha, I can worship God. I can come into his presence and make much of him, not because I'm good or my body's good, but because Christ has redeemed me. You know, I'm a, now a new creation, holy and acceptable in God's sight, sight that I am holy before God, and I am being made holy as I live this life, that I am both saved and being saved, right? Both those things are true. I am justified before God Almighty, and I am being sanctified as I live the Christian life. Right. Um, one of the things that I, I had as an illustration at one point was um, it, when a match is in a dark room, it, it illuminates the room, right? Uh, you don't it, and it, it it dispels the darkness. Like their light and darkness can't mix. Right. Um. So if God is the light, before Christ we were dark, and it's it's not that God isn't with us or can't be with us, but it was like he was light and we were darkness, and they didn't 
dwell it's hard to dwell together it's not it's sin and he can't he can't be with sin he's he's good he can't be with evil right. therefore it took christ to come in and say now you are the light of the world yeah so that we can dwell with god and what an amazing yeah. gift that was yeah um in him i think it's i think it's the book of john and says in christ was was life and this life was the light of men, and the light has come into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Right? Mm, yeah. Uh, that, that's the that's the idea that's there. Certainly, um, that when we when we are illuminated, like you know, our our desire is not for sin to dwell in our bodies, but for the light of Christ to drive the darkness out. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to you know just bring up that analogy. Um, you can have a flashlight that can shine into the dark. Right. But you can never have a dark light that'll shine into the light. You know what I mean? Like you can't by sh- by I can't make the light go away uh, except by extinguishing it, right? But the but light has the opposite effect, right? It can dispel the darkness. It can and I think it's a beautiful picture of sanctification mm-hmm. that we're becoming more and more light as we walk with Christ as we do what Christ has called us to, those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I do have a question and yep. I it's kind of uh, kind of a long one, so I'm just going to read it off here. Uh, it starts with our favorite verse in the Bible, of course, John 3.16, which says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But then we go to Romans 12.2 that says, do not be conformed to this world. So what I'm seeing here, it seems like John seems to say that God loves the world, and then Paul seems to say that God hates the world. So how do we reconcile that? You know, we don't. Just we just live no. Uh, the uh, I, I think what's understand is that different authors of scripture use this use this word world in different ways. Okay. So sometimes world can refer to the people of the world. Sometimes it can refer to the you know the ways of the world, the mindset of the world, those types of things. Um, in John three sixteen it says God so loved the world that uh, he gave his only son, that whoever believes might, you know, might have eternal life. Um, in that context, it seems like the world is talking about the people mm-hmm. in the world, right? And and not to say, um, it doesn't say God so loved the Jews, or God so loved the Gentiles, but God so loved the world. And I think there it's this all-encompassing, every every portion of the world, all the people on the earth belong to the Lord. Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Uh, everyone who dwells therein belongs to the Lord. So in that sense, we can see the world as a good thing. But at the same time, uh, in, in Romans chapter 12, when we understand, when we see, do not be conformed to this world, right? It's talking about the patterns of the fallen earth, the pattern of fallen man. So God loves the world in order to redeem the world, meaning the people in the world. But there will be a way of the world that is opposed to the way of God. There will be a, a way of man that, that says, I am the king, I am in charge, I am the Lord of my destiny, that is always going to be opposed to the Lord that says, no, Jesus is the king. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the Lord of my destiny. And so I think you see that those two uh, ideas opposed to one another here. Don't take the world's pattern as your pattern. Yeah. You, Your home is not of this world. Your home, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And so in this sense, he's talking about the world in a negative way. Com- comparing it to the kingdom of heaven, right? If our home and our hope is in heaven, then let's have a 
heavenly mindset, not an earthly mindset. Let's not let our mind be conformed to the pattern of this or this world, but let's let our mind be transformed. How do we do that? Well, it's by understanding mm-hmm. who the Lord is, by abiding in the things of God, by understanding the very doctrines that Paul's just spent 11 chapters talking to us about will help us to renew our mind, you know, to remind ourselves I'm not God. Right. You know, to get to pray every day, God, you're God, I'm not you. Remind me of that today. Renew my mind after these thoughts. And then we can we can piggyback into the last part of that verse if you'd like. When we renew our minds, uh, it says at the end of verse two, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the question we might ask is, okay, what is God's will? And I, and I always I always struggle with this, especially when I was a younger Christian. Yeah. I always thought that you know God has a will for my life, and if I don't make the right decisions, you know, uh, I don't know if you if you ever been on a on a hiking trail that has like offshoots, mm-hmm. um, but I was hiking this trail one time, and there were several like optional paths you could take, and if you take the wrong path. You're not going to wind up where you want to be. So I was supposed to be at the top of a mountain, and I wound up to be at the bottom of a lake. Oh, wow. You know, so it's like I took the wrong path. And I sometimes think about, you know, God's will for my life is I've got to get up on top of that mountain. And if I take one wrong step, just like that one offshoot took me to this lake instead of the top of the mountain, if I take one wrong step, then I'm going to mess up God's will for my life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think sometimes Christians can be bogged down with that kind of with that kind of mentality. And when we understand God's will, uh, I think it helps us to understand it. So, what does it mean to discern the will of God? Uh, let me go to the Old Testament here in Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. Um, says the secret things belong to the Lord our God but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever that we may do all the words of this law and you might say well, what in the world does it have to do with anything you see that right there there are secret things secret capacities secret parts of God's will that you and I will never know Right, So the Bible teaches that God is in control of all things. It teaches that he is sovereign, uh, that he is the Lord of all the earth. I think of Psalm 139 that says, All of my days were written for him in his book, when as yet they were none of them. The Lord is the author of human history. He is controlling all things. That means he can take things that look tragic and look horrible and look terrible and turn them and mean them for our good, right? In Genesis 50, verse 20, it says that uh, Joseph says to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, Yeah. right? He didn't just use it for good. He actually meant it as good, even though to everyone's uh, mindset, it looked like it was evil. Mm-hmm. So we see there's deep things that God can do. God has a, a will that we do not understand. Mm-hmm. Now, there's one will in God. It's not as if God has all these different competing wills. There's one will in God, but some things about God's will are secret, and some things are revealed to us. And in this particular context, in Deuteronomy 29, 29, what things are revealed to the nation of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy? It's the law. It's the rules. It's the things that they are to do. And we might call talk about God's moral will or his moral decree. Okay, so there's God is 
operating all of the universe in the one hand. That's one aspect of his will, right? And that's a secret thing. You and I, we can sit here and have an 18-hour podcast and we never understand it because it belongs to the Lord, right? It doesn't belong to you and me. But there are things that God has told us that are his will. It is his will that his church, you know, love one another. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesus says that by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you show love for one another. What it means to discern God's will in that kind of context is to demonstrate love, to care for one another, to Mm -hmm. be obedient to the things of God. So when we talk about in Romans, now flipping over back to Romans 12, when we talk about the will of God so that we might discern what is the will of God, if we are renewing our mind according to the pattern of heaven, right, not to the pattern of earth, but to the pattern revealed to us by the grace of God, you know, the first 11 chapters of Romans and all the things that we know about God in the gospel, all the teachings of Jesus, this helps us to understand what it is to be in God's will. It is to do the things that God has told us to do and to apply those patterns to other areas of our life. And so Paul knew that when he when he was writing Romans, I think he certainly knew this, um, he, he didn't give us a rule book and said, these are all of the things that are God's will and these are all the things that are not, right? But we have patterns in scripture we have certain prohibitions in scripture right do not murder right Right. it's always a sin it's never the will of god for you to murder right to plan to take someone's life it's never the will of god for you to lie or to worship another god it's never god's will for you to commit adultery Mm -hmm. right you know some people might say well i think god just wants me to be happy well, you've, you've severely misunderstood the will of God if you think that God wants you to be happy so much that he wants you to commit adultery, right? That's not the God of the Bible, like if, that's the, if that's the way that you're thinking, right? And right. I, you know, not, not, not that I know anyone personally who thinks that way, but I know right. that's, a common, that's a common objection. You know, God wants me to be happy, so even if that means I need to break some of God's rules, that, no, no that's, not, that's not God's will. You can discern God's will, and notice these adjectives here, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Does your translation say a different? It says good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Yeah, the good, pleasing, perfect will of God. All right? Uh, So we can know what God's will is. We can understand what God's will is by the patterns of Scripture, uh, by the prohibitions of Scripture. Don't do this. Uh, By the positive encouragements, do this. Bear one another's burdens, right? Forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. It is God's will not for Christians to hold grudges against one another, but for them to forgive one another. But Paul knew, and this is the point I was getting to, I've kind of got circled around this. Paul knew in Romans chapter 12 that sinful Christ, sinful people would invent new ways to sin. Mm. Like we are always inventing new ways to reject God's law and to like reject God's rules. And so the Bible um, does not say a single word about something like pornography. You know, um, it doesn't say in, in the terminology that we would understand it, right? The Greek word porneia means sexual immorality. But let's take what the Bible says. Okay, it, it talks. It says these things about marriage. It says these things about sex outside of marriage. That right. it's not a, it's not pleasing. You know, and for there to be sexual immorality, for there to be adultery. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's take all of those things, and we can clearly deduce from Scripture that it is not God's will 
for people to view pornography. Exactly. Like, and under no, under no circumstances does that appear to be like a thing that would be God's will, mm-hmm. right? So that that talking about his his moral will, how do we get there, right? The, that, there's not a scripture that says thou shalt not, right? Uh, that, that thou shalt not watch pornography. Right. You know, you're not going to find that. In it. But it is the clear teaching of scripture, and I think we can clearly say it is the will of God. Um, that we not do those things that's prohibitive, and it's actually God glorifying when we, and we can do that with all kinds of things. But we're going to understand that we're going to learn how to live the Christian life by discerning God's will, by understanding who He is, what He's told us in Scripture, uh, by understanding doctrines of Scripture, by understanding the prohibitions of Scripture, certainly, and the positive affirmations that we, you know, things we should not do and things that we should do, and then applying them to our own cultural context. Now, we can go overboard with this and make everything to be a moral decision. You know, is it God's will? I love Dr. Pepper, right? <laughs> and so there's always a decision when I go to a restaurant and sit down. Do I want to spend the money to get a Dr. Pepper? It's good. All right, I think God gave it to me to enjoy, right? It's good. Or do I want to just drink water, which is boring? But God's also given me that, so thank you, God, for that too, yeah. right? You know, which one? Yeah. Which, well, I think that we're, I think we have freedom, Right to choose, right, right there. Right, that's not a necessarily a moral decision. But I'll tell you, some people can go overboard with this and get, you know, totally jacked up in their Christian yeah. life. Uh, I, when I was in college, uh, I didn't know any of these people. This might be a little bit hearsay, but there was a there was a group of girls that lived in lived all in the same hallway in the dorm where I where I lived when I went to college, and uh, they were, it was a Christian school, and they would go to their room after their classes, and they would all sit in the same room together and they would kind of talk and they would pray and say, is it God's will for us to go to dinner in the cafeteria? And there was only one cafeteria on the campus. It was a small school. Is it God's will for us to go to the cafeteria at this time? Part of me really appreciates that because they certainly want to pray and pray without ceasing. But another part of me is saying, I think that you've taken this verse out of its intended context, right? Uh, Because now if, Going there and eating was a sin, you know. If you knew that you were going to sin by going there and eating, then yeah, then maybe that might that might play into that. But right. you know, Which God, is what I did when I was in college, right? You <laughs> sin by overeating, right? Uh, but the the, I, the idea that's there is is really really important. That it's not we we can't, we don't live the Christian life constantly being afraid that we're out of God's will, right? The Bible has told us there are things that we can do to be out of God's moral will, right? Things that we should not do, things that we um, should avoid. But it's not like my illustration of taking the wrong path on, and I'm going to mess up God's will for my life. I'm going to miss out on the person I'm supposed to marry if I don't go to the right college and meet the right person, right? That's a really terrible way to live the Christian life. I agree. Uh, Because then who is in control of your destiny? Ultimately, it's not God; it's you. You're, you're yeah. saying, "Hey, I can mess up God's plan for my life uh, by, you know, me- by making this non-moral decision." Right now, we need to take the rules of Scripture and apply them to our lives, and apply them in such a way across the board that, yes, there are decisions that we will not make. You know, maybe even potentially big decisions. Like, you know, I could take this job, for example, and make more money, but I know that I would never be able to um, take my family to church on Sunday. I know I could never really serve. Mm-hmm. God's, what has God's Word told me? Well, it might be a better decision for me not to take that job so that I can 
serve my family more faithfully and serve my church more faithfully, right? That might be a way in which the will of God would influence and impact our decision. But at the same time, if, you know, all things being equal, it's not like God's will for me is this job and not this job when they pay the same amount and have the same work schedule, right? You can do, if you're seeking to glorify God in the decision that you're making, you can do both of those things insofar as it doesn't prohibit or the scripture doesn't prohibit living in that kind of way. So you can't get drunk and glorify God, right? The Bible is really clear that drunkenness is a sin. Yeah. You can't watch pornography yeah. to the glory of God. You can't commit adultery to the glory of God, right? Those And some of you guys are saying, of course, like I don't need a podcast to tell me those <laughs> kinds of things. But I think it's helpful for us just to understand there are some categories that are firmly outside of God's revealed will, what yeah. he's told us to do. And we want to avoid those things. And in doing so, we will be discerning and approving what God's will for us actually is. Does that raise any questions for you? I think I think what keeps going through my head is when I think of the word sacrifice, so presenting my body mm. as, a, as a sacrifice, when I think of the word sacrifice, I think of something that's not easy. Right. Um, and then he says, don't conform to the world. My, my version actually says, do not conform to this age, yeah. this culture. You know, That's not easy. Right. In a culture where... Everybody wants to be happy, and it's yeah. whatever you want, you know, and the Bible's completely against that. That's a sacrifice right? for me to stand up and say, no, that's still not right because that's what I believe. Yeah. That's a sacrifice, but that's how I discern that's right. the will of God. Yeah, and that's what God's, that's what God's called us to do. And if we yeah. take the rest of, you know, we talked about in Romans 6 in our last episode, um, we talk about if we really understand the resurrection. Right. We'll be willing and able to do that. Doesn't mean that we have to be a jerk. Doesn't mean they have to be angry about it. Absolutely not. But it does mean that we have to stand on the truth because we believe it's true. Right. I mean, if I didn't believe the Bible was true, then why would I uphold its teachings? Right. You know what I mean? And so it, let's live like the Bible is really true. Like it really does tell us some things. And let's just experience the freedom that comes with that. You right. know? that I need to know a few fundamental things about what the Bible teaches. The Bible does speak into my life on moral issues and on moral decisions, um, but it is not like a divine horoscope where I have to try to no. read the stars and say, okay, what is God's will for me in every little minor decision that I make? No, God has given us His Spirit to help guide us, and certainly we should be prayerful about all things, but if the Scripture has not prohibited it, and if we, you know, if we understand by God's word that there are ways that God can be glorified by us pursuing it, I think the scripture says, then just go ahead and do it. Uh, just mm-hmm. go, just go ahead and 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 trust that the Lord will use even your feeble efforts according to His will. And because at the end of the day, on the other side of eternity, and this is going to sound radical to say, but I think this is the teaching of Scripture. On the other side of eternity, I think we're going to look back and see how God even redeemed our sinful decisions for the purpose of his glory. Just like Genesis 50, verse 20, Mm -hmm. that I meant it for evil, I meant it for sin, Mm -hmm. but God is able to redeem sin. Well, you serve a God who can redeem sin, right, and can redeem my sinful decisions. Now, does that mean that I go and pursue sin so that God might redeem it? No, that's the argument of the book of Romans, right? Mm -hmm. But I can take hope that if I belong to the Lord and if I'm pursuing his revealed will by pursuing his laws, and pursuing his decrees, I can trust that he is going to work all things out according to the counsel of his will. I agree. Yeah. I'd like to point out one other thing, and I know we're getting closer to time, but it doesn't say that we need to present anyone else's body. Yeah. And I think that Christians sometimes will push 
especially because we don't want to conform to this culture. We don't want to conform to this world. We push that on other people to say, hey, you shouldn't conform to this world. You should, and, and we're not wrong. Right. But there's a way to do that in love by being an example of someone who stands in the discernment of the will of God. Yeah, and let's just, let's just be honest. Someone who's not a Christian yeah. will, will never desire to— uh, the goal, What we should do for that person is not say, hey, modify your behavior and live like I tell you to live, but right. hear, hear the gospel. Hear the good news of Jesus, that you can have life and life abundantly in Christ. Right. And until someone's awakened by the Spirit to understand the truth of the gospel— Anything that we encourage them to do will just be behavior modification. It won't be salvific for them, right? Exactly. You can live your whole life as a quote-unquote moral dude or moral guy right. and still die and go to hell if you don't know Jesus, right? And so let's not pretend like the Christian life is only about keeping the rules. The Christian life, you know, the fundamental thing about the Christian life is that I've broken the rules, You've broken the rules. Mm -hmm. The thing about the Christian life is that Jesus redeems us from our sin and calls us to a better way of life. And in doing so, I think we will be able to more fully and more freely, freely leave our sin behind in pursuit of the righteousness of God. I agree. Man, this has been a really good podcast. I, I, I think so myself. You guys may not, but I, I thought it was great. So, um, James and I are just doing this because this is cheaper than therapy. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, we can sit here and talk to each other. And then uh, if y'all want to listen in, hey, that's just icing on the cake. So, <laughs> but, you know, I want to encourage you guys also if you're listening, uh, this is on YouTube um, as well. So if you'd like to see the video, you can you can look at us. I don't know if you really want to. A do couple that. episodes ago, I'll say that this is worth watching on YouTube. A couple episodes ago, I started to drop my iPad and I like ninja caught it, <laughs> and you didn't see it. I don't I think, did. but it was kind of awesome. But I think the camera caught it, so that might so. be worth watching just for that. I'm gonna so. like put some effects in yeah. or something. Like yeah, ninja kick. That's or right. A boom, um, a, a pow. Boom. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but I do think. Uh, as viewers, please, if you have questions, if we are talking about something and you, you think of something, put a comment in there. Um, ask us, and, and yeah. we'll go in there, and we'll, we'll try to answer as much as we can, obviously. Um, Drew will. I'll just ask it for him. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, so uh, we look forward to hearing those questions. If you have topics you'd like to hear something about, uh, right now we're going through uh, a, the, a study with our church, um, so we're going through... Uh, the scriptures as our church is going through those scriptures. Uh, however, once that is done, we're going to need ideas for something else. And so if you have topics, if you have questions, make sure and comment those so that we can, we can get to those. You have anything else you want to add? This has been a really good one. Yeah. Just thanks for listening. And James, thanks for uh, running all the tech stuff so that uh, I don't have to worry about it. There you <laughs> it's, go. It's, it's great. <laughs> so no, I appreciate your time and thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you guys for hanging out with us. We'll see you next time right here on the Creekside Podcast. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast today. I know there's a ton of things you could have spent your time listening to, but James and I are grateful that you spent some time hanging out with us. If you'd like to learn more about Creekside Fellowship, you can go to our website at creeksidefellowshiptn.com. Uh, you can find our contact info there. If you've uh, enjoyed listening to the podcast, you can rate and review and subscribe and all that fun stuff. And if you have any questions for us, you can email us at info at creeksidefellowshiptn.org. That's all on our website. You can also connect with us on social media. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen today. Hope you'll tune in next time.